We're going through the Psalms, Psalms 92. If you notice, the last several weeks we've been reading the Psalms. I love reading sections. It says, It is good to praise the Lord and make music in your name, Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night to the music of a tin lyre stringed instrument and the melody of a harp. For you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy that is in your hand, what your hands have done. How great are your works, Lord. How profound are your thoughts. Senseless people do not know. Fools do not understand that through the wicked spring up like grass and the evil doers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, Lord, are forever exalted. For surely your enemies, Lord, your enemies will perish and evil doers will be scattered. And you have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. The fine oil has been poured over me. My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. My ears have heard the rot of my wicked foes. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. And they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will bear fruit in an old age. And they will stay fresh and green. Proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock. There is no wickedness in him. Today we're going to talk about that throughout our nation's history, from George Washington to Abraham Lincoln, and even to this day, there have been many Thanksgiving proclamations and celebrations. Now, it is not a high, holy day in the church calendar. But across this great land, people in church after church will be celebrating this day and the goodness of our Heavenly Father. And all of the early celebrations had one thing in common. Their thanksgiving was directed towards God. Despite how some very some of them had very hard times, the people acknowledged that God was their creator and provider and that all good things ultimately come from him. And it's And it is in that spirit we now gather together in this morning. And the ones that we're missing that are traveling to visit family and friends. Did you know that the first recorded Christian Thanksgiving in America actually occurred in Texas on May 23rd, 1541? When Spanish explorer Francisco Vadquez de Cordado and his men held a sacred thanksgiving after finding food and water and pasture for their animals in the panhandle. Another thanksgiving service occurred in June 30th, 1564, when the French Humagats I got it. I've said that right. Whom a God celebrated a solemn praise and thanksgiving. Now, that was a settlement near Jacksonville, Florida. On August 9th, in 1607, English settlers led by Captain George Putman joined the Abney 
Indians along Maine's Kennebec River for a harvest and a prayer meeting. The colonists living under the, they were living under the Plymouth Company Charter. Established, it was a fort called St. George, a lot, about that same time as Virginia's Jamestown colony was founded. Two years before the Pilgrims celebration in December 4th, 1619, a group of 38 settlers arrived at the Berkeley Foundation that is now Charles City, Virginia. The group charter required, required that the day of arrival be observed as a yearly day of thanksgiving to God. Captain John Woodleaf, how would you like that for a last name? Woodleaf, held the service of thanksgiving. Here, here's the specific check section of the charter of the Berkeley Foundation, which specifies that thanksgiving service. Let me read it just so I don't mess it up. We ordain that day of our ship's arrival at the place assigned for the plantation in the land of Virginia shall be a yearly and perpetual kept as holy day of thanksgiving to Almighty God. Now, and the Spanish, the French, and, and the British colonists had several thanksgiving services in America before the Pilgrim celebration in 1621. What about the Pilgrim's Thanksgiving? Now, this book that you see pictured up here, it's won the Christopher Awards, the John Burroughs Awards, the New York Times Awards, and the famous one of 10 best children books awards by the New York Times, and it is in school after school right now. In this children's book, the first Thanksgiving by the author Jean Craighead George says that the pilgrims left Europe to seek their fortune in America. Now that would come as a bit of surprise, surprising news to the early pilgrims themselves because their leader, William Bradford, wrote in his diary on the voyage, it was motivated by the great hope of advancing the kingdom of Christ. See, they were facing religious persecution in Plymouth, England. And if you read their journals and diaries, which we have, they came to worship God as he had placed it on their hearts. They weren't allowed to in England. The pilgrims set aground on Plymouth Rock on December 11th, 1620. Their first winter was devastating. Weakened by the seven-week voyage and crossing and the need to establish housing, they came down with pneumonia, consumption. Look up consumption. It was bad. They came up with consumption. And, and, and by the spring, they had lost 46 of the original 102 who sailed the Mayflower. They'd all died. The pilgrims obviously needed some help. And that came from an English-speaking member of the Wampanoa, Wampanoa Nation. I'm close on that. Sequano. That's a, that was the name. We learned that in school. And he decided to stay with the pilgrims 
for the next few months and teach them how to survive. The harvest of 1621 was bountiful and re- and, and the, the remaining colonists decided to celebrate with a feast. The settlers asked Guato and the leader of the Wampanoag Indians, Masato, to bring their immediate family and to dine with them. Now, the English had no idea how large an Indian family could be. So Squanto and Mesca, they, they arrived with 90 relatives. That No, that's, that's recorded, 90 relatives. And the, no, we don't teach this at school very often. The feast lasted for three days. The pilgrims and the eight Indians ate outdoors on large tables and they competed together in strengths of skill and of strength. Three-day feast. Now, were there other Thanksgivings feasts held for the pilgrims? That's a real good question. We're going to get there. The first Thanksgiving feast was not repeated the following year. In the third year, when many of them had become preoccupied with cultivating more land and building their houses and planting extra crops for trading with the Indians, they were stricken by a prolonged drought. Week followed week and week after week, there was no rain, even until the Indians who had no recollection of this ever happening before. The sun blazed. The corn withered. The stalks became as dry as tender. And beneath the ground, the ground cracked open. And it was so powdery that if any normal rain fell, there would be little use to that rain. And still the heavens, as they recorded, were as brass. That's what they recorded. Think about that for a second. Finally, on July, I can't remember the exact date, but in July, Governor Bradford called for a council of the chief men of the uh, that was there, and he and he said it was obvious that God was withholding the rain for a reason, and they'd better find out why. Bradford declared a day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer. And they gathered in their blockhouse church and began to search their hearts. It turned out that even these saints had things to repent for. A tender, peaceful spirit grew among them as it was recorded as each hour passed. Late in the afternoon, they emerged from the blockhouse church and the sky that morning had been hard and clear as it had been every morning for the last nearly two months was now covered with clouds. The following morning, it began to rain. A gentle rain that continued on and off for 14 days straight. The writing of Bradford said... It came without either wind or thunder or any violence. 
Think of that. It came without wind, thunder, or any violence. And by degrees, I got to read this so I don't mess it up, you know, when you're reading that old English. And by degrees in ye abundance, that as ye earth was thoroughly wet and soaked therewith, which did so apparently revive and quicken ye decay of corn and other fruits as wonderful to see, and made ye Indians astonished to behold. And afterwards the Lord sent such a such seasonable showers interchanged with fair warmth and weather as through his blessing caused fruitful and liberal harvest to no small comfort and rejoicing. That's his actual words from his diary. Their harvest that fall was so abundant that they ended up with a surplus to the benefit of the Indians to the north who had not had a good growing season. To everyone's delight, the governor set a day of thanksgiving and apparently once again invited Mexico and, 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 and all the Indians and they had another day of thanksgiving because they learned their lesson from not thanking God. Was Thanksgiving practiced during the early days of the United States? President George Washington proclaimed the National Day of Thanksgiving, that's November 26, 1789, to honor the formation of the United States of America. He proclaimed and called for a day of fasting and prayer and thanksgiving to God, to be celebrated by all religious denominations. Now, something you may not know, and this is for you trivia people, President George Washington personally provided money, food, and beer for the debtors at the New York prison that day. He went and actually paid for the prisoners to have a day of Thanksgiving after he proclaimed it to the nation. Now, I could go on and on and tell you the wonders of Thanksgiving and the miracles that happened and of the time after time that God interceded to support the early settlers. Uh, the recorded miracles. But we need to get into God's holy word to see how we can apply what, what we've learned to the lives we live here right now. In the book of 1 Thessalonians, for you guys who like to write it down in your sermon notes, it'd be chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. The Apostle Paul says... Be joyful and pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. But how can we, how can we have this attitude continually? I believe the answer in this attitude towards Thanksgiving, it lies in our personal attitude. To be thankful in all circumstances. We need a proper perspective of our circumstances and our relationship with God. Today, today I'm going to share with you three things that we can learn about Thanksgiving from God's Holy Word. First of all, we should not be slow to express our thanksgiving. Now, some of you love writing those fill-in-the-blanks. You should underline this one. 
we should not be slow to express our thanksgiving. A chorus we often sing is based on the 100th and 100th Psalm, verse 4, which says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Now, David, King David, says in Psalms 107, I think it's verse 1, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his love endures forever. Hmm. Let me show you this picture. It was Thanksgiving Day in the nursing home. The small resident population had gathered for their Thanksgiving table, right? And the the director of the nursing home asked each one to express in turn what they were really thankful for. There were thanks expressed for home, that they could stay in, for families who loved them, for people who came to visit, and the list went on and on. Then one little old lady, sweet little old lady, spoke. I am so thankful for two perfectly good tooth, one on the upper jaw and one on the lower jaw that match so I can chew my food. (laughs) Sometimes you're thankful for the little things. The problem is, that's worth being thankful for. In the book of Luke, chapter 17, we read about... Ten men with leprosy who were healed by Jesus. You all know the event or have an idea of the event. Of those ten, only one came back to thank Jesus. Because of that, Jesus said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you whole. Now, that's the King James Version, if you have a King James Bible. Um, Some of the other Bible translations will say well or whole. But actually, to the original tongue, whole is a better translation of the word there. Now, why did Jesus say that to him? I mean, like the nine others, they had already been healed of their leprosy. But then Jesus said to him, your faith has made you whole. He wasn't talking about a physical healing. He was talking about a mental and spiritual one. His life had been completely transformed. He was made whole. We too are made whole by our faith and our thanksgiving. Psychologists love to tell us, that sincere gratitude, thanksgiving, is the healthiest of all human emotions. A thankful heart will endear others to us and us to others. For thanksgiving is not only good for the giver, it's also good for the receiver. If we were not grateful... If we don't express our thanksgiving, then we can have the opposite effect. In the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 21, Paul says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God or gave him thanks, but their thinking was made futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Oh, ho, ho, ho. that's tough teaching. 
Before we leave this point, let me list a few ways we can thank God. We can say thank you to God. How about that? We can say thank you when we spend time with Him and not just an hour or two on Sunday mornings. When we how we can thank Him by forgiving others and when we serve as church or, or when we share His gospel with others. And we can reach out to hurting people. When we give God the best of our time and our talents and our treasures and we give Him praise from our heart. Truly, our thanksgiving to God should be expressed not only from our lips, but also in our lives. Secondly, our thanksgiving should be expansive. Now, that's the best word I could come up with. See, as our thanksgiving expands, it should include at least two things that we should thank God for. The blessings we have received, our prayers can often be very gentle. Let's be very honest. We say, thank you, God, for all your blessings. But what blessings do we mean? Sidebar here, i got to get the sermon notes for a second. See, God is not a wish well. Tell him what you're thankful for. You all laughed, and I got a couple comments. when I made the fact that I'm fighting a little challenge and I have an advantage. I have no hair to lose, right? You, you'll never know what I'm going through. There's not a I had four hairs the other day and they all fell out. I was going to keep them. We can be thankful. And I got to get back to the sermon. I'm not going to get time. But you know what I'm talking about? You got to be thankful even if you're going through a challenge because you got ways to get out of the challenge. Oh, I want you to, I'm going to give you an old poem. I want you to listen to an old poem. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God has done. And But none of you don't know, you may not know what the rest of the poem goes on. A little bit later it says, Today I was on a bus and I saw a lovely maid with golden hair. I envied her. She seemed so gay, I I wished I was that fair. Then suddenly she rose to leave, and I saw her hobble down the aisle. She had one leg and used a crutch, but she passed me with a smile. Oh, forgive me when I whine. I have two feet. The world is mine. And then I stopped by one of those sweets and a lad served me with such charm. He seemed to radiate good cheer. His manner was so kind and warm. He said, it's so nice to deal with such a courteousness that I seldom see and find. He said and turned. And I said, thank you. Then I saw he was blind. Oh God, forgive me when I whine, when I have two eyes and the world is mine. Then I went walking down the street and I saw a child with eyes so blue. He stood and watched the others play and it seemed like he knew not what to do. I stopped for a moment and I said, why don't you join them there? 
And he looked ahead without a word. And then I knew he could not hear. Oh, God, forgive me when I whine, when I have two ears and the world is mine. Two feet to take me where I go, two eyes to see the world a sunset aglow, and ears to hear what I could know. I am blessed indeed. The world is mine. Oh, God, forgive me when I whine. Any of you ever whine? Now, our next section you're going to fill out in your fill-out sheet is this. We should even thank God for our challenges. This is tough teaching. In Romans chapter 8, verse 18, Paul said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. Also, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and results and in hardships and in persecution and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now those words of Paul are found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 10. If you want to read them for yourself, they're great to read. See, Paul said, I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me has really been done to advance the gospel. Now that's recorded in Philippians chapter 1 verse 12 for you to read to this day. God used the apostle Paul as a mighty witness to his generation and to us sitting here today. And in the same way, God can use us. Finally, we need to realize that there are at least three things that can steal our gratitude. Now, these are important. In this book, Folk Psalms of Faith, I'm going to get you there. He talks about the first one is pride. This is the attitude, nobody ever gave me anything. I worked to receive everything I had. That's the attitude we feel, and we have no one to think but ourselves. Ray Stedman, in this book, it tells the experience of Larry Ironside. I've done a lot of reading on Larry. He was a great preacher. And he was in a crowded restaurant in the inner cities. And, and, and just about as he was getting ready for his meal, a man walked up to him, and he was sitting at a table of four, and he, a man approached him and asked him if he could share the table, which is common in a big city. So he asked him to have a seat. And as was Ironside's custom, Einstein bowed his head for prayer. When Then he opened his eyes. The other man said, Do you have a headache? Einstein, no, I don't. The man said, Well, then, was something wrong with your food? Einstein, no. I was just thanking God, as I always do before I eat it. Oh, the man replied, Oh, you're one of those, are you? I want you to know that I never give thanks. I earn my money by the sweat of my brow and I don't give thanks to nobody. I eat and I just start right in. I never think. And said, side said, oh yes, you're just like my dog. He does that too. <laughs> See, another attitude that keeps us from being thankful 
is a critical spirit or constant complaining. Instead of being grateful, such a person will always find something to complain about. Does anybody have anybody like that that you know of that's always complaining? And it's tough to be around them. See, now I, I got a story about, you know I'm asking because I got a story, right? There was a church lady, I'm going to blame it on a church lady, right? Had an incurable grumble, constantly complaining about everything. And at last her preacher thought he found something about which he she could be happy for her potato crop was the finest crop around for miles. And so he, he went to visit and he, he, when he saw her, he said with a beaming smile, you must be very happy. Everyone is saying how great a, your potatoes look this year. You have the best crop in the county. Well, that that's true. They're pretty good. But what am I going to do when I need to feed the bad ones to the pigs? She wasn't happy even because she had a good crop. She found something to complain about. You ever known anybody about that in your life? Tell them to grow up. The third attitude that can keep us from being grateful is taking things for granted. Someone said that if the stars only came out once a year, we'd stay up all night to watch them. But since they're out every night, we take them for granted and go to bed. That's a fact. The Israelites wandered around the desert and grumbled because they had no food. So God miraculously sent manna to cover the ground and meet their food needs. And they grumbled because it was the same every day. They were never satisfied. You know, God called them a stiff-necked people. Okay? There might be a reason. So let me take you to the Apostle Paul's teaching again. Of the words I read early to you in the sermon. First Thessalonians chapter 5, six, verse 16 and 18. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now if I didn't give it to you earlier, I'm giving it to you now. I can't remember. I get to start quoting and I like to quote. See, I want you to notice Paul didn't say to give thanks for all circumstances, but in all circumstances. In all circumstances that come our way. They're not all necessarily good, and that's a simple fact. But there will be always be something in those circumstances for which to give thanks. Now, let me give you an example. This is the first edition of Daniel Bedford's classic novel, Robinson Crusoe. Pardon me, it's Defoe. Daniel Defoe. Among the first thing Robinson Crusoe did... Did you know they pulled that out of our school library here in town? It's a great book. If you haven't read it, read it. 
See, he was shipwrecked, and he found himself on a deserted island, and he made a list. On one side, he wrote down all his problems, and on the other side, he wrote down all his blessings. For example, he was alone on a desolate island, but he was still alive. He was not drowned, as were all his shipmates. All the food supplies have been lost, but there was plenty of fresh fruit and water on the land. He only had the clothing that he was wearing, but it was hot climbing, he didn't need any clothing. He was out without means of defense, and he, but he saw no wild animals to speak of. He had nothing to speak of, but there was a shipwreck that was very close and he could go salvage everything off the ship necessary to survive. Crusoe discovered that for every negative aspect of the situation, there was a positive aspect, something to be thankful for. Perhaps, perhaps this would be a good time for us to take an inventory of our blessings. Whatever it is, our pride, our complaining attitude, or just taking things for granted, these things help keep us from truly being thankful for all that God has given us. Yes, the psalmist was right. It is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. That's Psalms 92, verse 1. Now, Another good thing to be thankful for is I'm not going to keep you here all day. We're going to end a little early. Not too early, though. We have illness in our families in this church. We have challenges in our families in this church. We have friends who are ill right now. We have people going through tough times. But God makes a way out. Or he makes people come alongside Throughout God's holy word, he told us not to be an island to ourself. Any of you try to keep everything in and not tell anybody? Yeah, some of you. Some of you, you don't tell nobody. Let me be honest with you. Now, some of you know that we put our services on the internet. And we... We have lots of visitors. We got Dubai, we got Kuwait, we have all these things on our Facebook page. Well, I don't do it. I'm not that smart. John Heritage, who's down in um, Austin, Texas, we ship it down to him over this wonderful thing on the internet, and then he does it back. So, a couple weeks ago, I told you I was a little ill, right? And had a little challenge. And the first thing he calls up is on Sunday, you sure downplayed that. Well, I, yeah, I told him, but I downplayed it. Who, you know, I'm not going to stand up here forever. He said, that's just like you. I'm like, it's, it's a problem. It's all fixable. There's wonderful surgeons. They can fix things. But we need to be praying for doctors and nurses. And I made a nurse cry the other day. I won't tell you who was in the hospital for surgery. I, I, I would never do that. But we, before surgery, I come and pray. But that's my, what I do, I come meet you in the hospital, right, if I can. And the nurse never knew that people prayed for the doctors and nurses. 
I, I, normally they're not in there when you pray, right? But also they come walking in and I'm, we're praying for the wisdom, for the doctors, the nurses, for the skills, their hands. And it was a deep, solemn prayer because this was a serious thing. And she was crying. She didn't know that people prayed for them when you're praying for the surgery. I'm sorry, you're all covered by God's grace. I want to pray for the doctors and nurses so they know what they're doing, right? I, I mean, I love doctors and nurses. Now, doctors drool, nurses rule. Okay, that's my rule. But we do need to pray for them. We need to pray for those who are helping us. We need to pray for those we work with. Some of them are stubborn. Some of them are ornery. You've never worked for somebody who's ornery or stubborn, have you? You ever worked for somebody you just wanted to grab by the collars and lift them off the ground? And you know if you did that, you'd be fired? So don't do that? God's word, Paul, specifically, went through terrible things. But he said it was all for the kingdom. It was all to draw people to God. Sometimes what you're going through is not because of you. It is so to draw you and other people back to God. And sometimes it's just life. Life is terrible. When we get to go home, it's all perfect. But until that moment happens, you're going to struggle. You're going to have challenges. You're going to have troubles and woes. But when you get to heaven, it's all gone. That's the beauty of heaven. Now, we need to close in prayer so you guys can all go enjoy. Okay, one more. Has anybody changed from turkey to ham in my talk? I really am a ham person for Thanksgiving. But turkeys is too much. You know, there's only a couple of you. you can. Turkeys only shrink down so much, so we might have to do a big chicken, right? But please remember that the original Thanksgiving dinners, all of them, though even the ones you're not told about, were not about the dinner. It was about giving thanks to Almighty God for getting us through. They had 46 people they buried out of 102, and they still gave thanks. 46 people were in the ground and they out of 102, and they still gave thanks. And when they did not give thanks, God took away the rain and made the sun bake the earth to bring them back to giving thanks. We don't hear that whole story. We just have some author telling us they came to this country for financial improvement. That isn't why they came. They were under persecution. We serve an almighty God who rewards prayer. Let's close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise we give you we just give you ourselves we thank you for the blessings that we forgot to thank you for we thank you for the times you protected us and guided us and we thought we did it ourselves now father this week during thanksgiving week as america celebrates your bountiful supplies to our nation let us not forget that you are on the throne And because you were on the throne, we have no worries. And all God's people said, Amen.